Amen. We're going to go ahead and get into our message at this time. And uh, so if you want to take your um, outline out, and we're going to go ahead and get started with that in your Bible. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter number 3 is where we started last week. We'll start there again. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter number 3, uh, verses 1 through 7. And this is the instruction that uh, Paul gives Timothy regarding the office of a pastor. And we talked quite a bit about it last uh, Wednesday night, and I'm going to do what I can to finish it up. Um, and I'm not going to do too much on the review here, but I, I am going to just mention what they are uh, for those who were not here last Wednesday. The first Timothy chapter number three in verse number one, the Bible says this, the, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, nor no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the ch church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, with uh, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. And last week we uh, started going through this quite a bit. Um, we made our way through, uh, first of all, the biblical reality of the pastor. And uh, we mentioned uh, five different words that are used to describe what a pastor is and should be doing. Uh, we talked about how, first of all, the word presbyteros is translated elder, which means president, presider, or moderator. And then uh, we talked about the word of the Greek word of episcopus that's translated bishop. It means superintendent of the working force, the one who is kind of the overseer. And then uh, thirdly, we met, we said the Greek word poiomen. It's translated pastor or shepherd, and that means the one who cares for the members or the sheep. And uh, this is the one, this is the word that, um, you know, you technically could call someone bishop so-and-so or elder so-and-so, um, you know, technically. But uh, I think, you know, I am more comfortable with the word pastor for this particular role, although the other words go along with it as well. Then we mentioned uh, kerooks which is translated preacher, and it means one who heralds or proclaims divine truth, especially the gospel. So a pastor is supposed to preach the word of God. Uh, didaskalos, translated teacher, means one who teaches the word of God. And uh, this is one of the requirements of a pastor is to be apt to teach. And we have that here in this passage, I think in verse number two at the end of it, given to hospitality, apt to teach. So that's the biblical reality of the pastor. In other words, it's not a man-made uh, role or man-made office. It's something that God ordained and God had planned. And uh, this is something that, um, you know, in Acts chapter number 20, uh, in verse 28, where it says, Over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you to be overseers. So it's it's something that the Holy Ghost and, and God has um, has, has created and put men into those places. 
So it's a biblical reality. And then we mentioned number two last week, the biblical requirements of the pastor. Here in Timothy and then also in Titus, we have the biblical requirements of the pastor. We mentioned that he must be blameless. That word is mentioned in verse number two. And then in Titus chapter number uh, one and verse number six, if any be blameless, the husband of one wife. So he must be blameless, uh, not perfect, because if that was the case, well, I should go find something else to do because I'm not perfect um, and, or sinless. But blameless, in other words, there's no major marks on his record that you know someone could point to and uh, look, we're, there, there's not been a pastor in all of history uh, or will be who is sinless where you couldn't point to something in his life that, oh, look, there's sin. Yeah, there's sin, uh, but there's certain areas that there needs to be um, a good testimony in. And, and uh, that's what he gets into here. We need to be blameless in his marriage. Um, there should not be divorce in his life. And somebody might say, well, what if he's been divorced before salvation? I think to take the high road, it's still, it's still best to not have divorce on his record at all. Um, in his marriage, um, in his wisdom, and in his family, one of the things that I was thinking about mentioning, <clears throat> I mean, he's supposed to uh, rule well his house. Verse number four says, one that ruleth well his own house. And then Titus kind of explains that a little bit more. And uh, it, says, it says in verse number six of Titus chapter one, if it be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. Okay, if that's going to happen, how, how does that happen? Is it because it, here, here's what some people think. When, when, when a man becomes a pastor, then magically his children just kind of like get halos over their heads. And magically they're walking with God and having a right relationship with the Lord. But that's not the truth, okay? Um, here's what's required for a pastor to have children and any person, any parents to have children who are uh, faithful, as what uh, Titus says. Um, it requires time. It requires effort and attention and ministry to the family. Um, so for a church to require the pastor to be at the church, you know, at all hours of every day and totally neglect his family and expect his family to fit the qualifications mentioned here is completely unreasonable. Um, so <clears throat> when I uh, met with the, the pulpit committee, when uh, I was looking to, they were looking at possibly bringing me out here to be the pastor of Cornerstone Baptist Church, I said, just an FYI, um, I, I want to give my heart to this church. I want to, you know, if, if the Lord has me here, I want to put my 100% best effort in. But I also have a responsibility first to God, then to my wife, and then to my children, and then to the church. Um, now, I realize that, you know, a, a lot of my waking hours are to the church, but I also have... I can't have all my waking hours for the church and for the people in our church. And if, <coughs> if I wanted to, I could, there's enough to do here that I could do that, but it's, it's important for me to also minister to Julie and to Seth and to Luke and to faith and to Mark 
And that takes time. That takes effort. And I know our church family, you all, you all understand that. And, and that, you know, there, there's, there's, I want to just say thank you for understanding that, but just to help you understand that in order to fit this qualification, that man can't be at the church, you know, every day, all day. And, you know, well, I want to be able to see my pastor whenever. Well, that thank God for cell phones. Kind of thank God for cell phones. <laughs> um, but I, I want to be available. I want to be there for you, but I also need to be there for them. Because I'm before I'm the pastor, I'm her husband. Before I'm your pastor, I'm my children's father. And, and you know, if, if I don't have a good family, then I'm going to lose the ministry. And we, we talked about that last week uh, quite a bit. Um, but I just want you to understand that from a pastor's perspective. It doesn't happen by accident or automatically just because you have that role that your kids are going to be just perfect. And there are several pastor's children in here, um, PKs. And, and you know that to be the case. It, it, it's not automatic. Um, you needed your dad to be there for you as well as to the church. So he must be blameless. Uh, he must secondly be behaved. And uh, we talked about several different areas in hospitality, holiness, temperance, and finances. Um, all right. Let's go uh, jump to the next thought here, which we that's where we stopped last week. Let's go ahead and pick it up with the biblical responsibilities of the pastor. What is the pastor supposed to be doing? And, you know, just, just, a, um, just a reminder that being a pastor doesn't mean that you're, you know, you're large and in charge and calling the shots. And it's, it's not about the perks. It's not about the, um, it's not about the authority that you have in the church. It, it's, it, that's not the emphasis of the word of God. The emphasis is, especially for me, is on the responsibility that I have within the context of the local church. What are my responsibilities? What are the things that I ought to be doing? And what are some things, again, when you go elsewhere, if the Lord ever moves you, which I hope he doesn't, but if the Lord ever does, or something happens to me and you need to get a new pastor in, what are some things that are, are biblical responsibilities of that pastor? Well, first of all, he is to study the word of God. He is to study the word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, here Paul is writing to Timothy and he says in verse number 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So a good chunk of the time that a pastor uh, spends during the week is to be studying the word of God, is to be uh, trying to prepare uh, and understand the word of God to be able to communicate it to the people of God. So studying is necessary. If you go to Acts chapter number uh, six, uh, go to Acts chapter six in your Bibles. So the early apostles, um, as they were getting started with the first century church, um, there was a lot going on. There was a lot of growth that happened very quickly. Um, we know about the day of Pentecost and how 3,000 souls were added to that church family in one day. But that wasn't the only time of growth. In fact, if you go to chapter 
Um, in chapter 6, in verse number 7, the Bible says, The word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. So, I mean, it was just so much growth. It was really hard to keep up with. And earlier in chapter number six, in verse number one, the Bible says this, in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So the widows needed different things and, and uh, uh, the Grecians were, the, the Greeks, those who were saved, the Gentiles who were saved, um, were, were going, hey, why aren't we having our needs met when the, the Jewish believer widows were having their needs met? And it's kind of like, hey, this isn't fair. I thought we were all one in Christ. What's going on here? Why aren't we, why aren't our needs being met? And so there was this drama going on. So church drama is not anything new. Um, it, it's, it's no excuse. We shouldn't have it in our church, but it was happening there. Verse number two, then the 12 called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So they said, we, we're trying to study the word of God. We're trying to understand the scriptures and we, you're, you're wanting us to, to leave that in order to serve tables. And it's not that I think that they were unwilling to do it. It was that they needed to have the priority of studying the scriptures. Let's keep reading. Verse number three, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven brethren, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. But we, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So uh, one of the major responsibilities of the pastor is to study the word of God, to know the word of God so that he might be able to declare it to the people of God. And he needs to know it. Now, there's going to be pastors who know the scriptures better than other pastors. And um, I know that there are other pastors who know the Bible far greater than I do. Uh, I am learning as time goes on, and I'm getting to know the scriptures more and more, uh, but it's not like I can take a, you know, a one-week intensive and come to some type of like, oh, I've arrived. I know the scriptures. No, it's a lifetime of prog uh, process, a lifetime process, but uh, one, of the, one of the things that takes up a lot of time is to study, and uh, there's other things that I do during the week, but that is one of the, one of the main things that I I try to take time for. So he is to study the word of God. Secondly, uh, back in Acts 6, he is to be a man of prayer. A man of prayer, Acts chapter 6 and verse number 1, uh, where we just were. I, I walked away from it here. Acts 6 and verse 4, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So prayer is uh, probably, in my mind, one of the hardest things that a pastor does. And I know it that sounds not very spiritual, but it's just the truth. Praying takes effort and um, focus that is hard to, hard to give. Um, but it is something that a pastor is, one of his responsibilities is to pray and to pray for the flock and to be praying for the church and for the, the health, the spiritual health of the church, as well as the, the physical uh, needs as well. So he's to be a man of prayer. Uh, Ian Bounds uh, once said this, a prayerless preacher 
is a misnomer. That's a good statement. A prayerless preacher is a misnomer. In other words, it's incongruent. Um, it's uh, an oxymoron, prayerless preacher. It ought, it ought to be that a, a preacher is a man of prayer. And then I read about a church janitor who was heard to say this, um, the blower still works, but the fire has gone out. Now, he was discussing a problem with the furnace, but one church member who overheard him thought he was speaking about the pastor. The blower still works, but the fire has gone out. And uh, one of the ways that we can keep the fire going is by having a good prayer life as uh, pastors. And one of the things I encourage the men with in uh, at the men and boys camp out is to have boldness. And one of the ways that we can have boldness is by spending time with the Lord. And, and Jesus, when he ordained his 12 disciples, he said that they would first be with him and then that they would go out and preach for him. And so as a pastor, I need to be a man of prayer so that as I come to the pulpit, it's not just I'm winging it. It's not just I'm kind of running on fumes, but that I'm filled with the fire for the Lord and I'm on fire for Christ. So he's to be a man of prayer. Uh, thirdly, he is to preach the word of God. He is to preach the word of God. He's not to preach necessarily what everybody wants to, the, him to say. He's to preach the word of God. Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse number um, 1. Here Paul is writing to Timothy. He says, I charge thee therefore... Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Not preach your opinions, not preach um, current events, but preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You know, those who, you know, want to hear what, you know, hey, tell me what I want to hear. Tell me that I'm a good guy. Tell them I, tell me I'm a beautiful person. Um, tell me what I want to hear. Don't, don't tell me what God says. That's, that's so old and archaic and not relevant anymore. I want to hear uh, something that, 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 that meets my needs right now. Um, he says, they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. So it's important to preach the word, preach the word. In Acts chapter 2, or Acts, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 6, again, we, we looked at that you know, already, but <clears throat> in that he said, we will give ourselves to the ministry of the word. And then um, he says, Verse number five, the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and all these different men. Um, so they were wanting to give themselves to the ministry of the word so that they can preach the word of God. Um, and then 1 Timothy 4, um, let me go there real quick. 1 Timothy 4 and uh, verse 11 says this, These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, conversation, charity, spirit, faith, and purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. And uh, that's what he's talking about here is um, 
keep preaching the word, keep preaching the word. Now the word instant, I want to just zero in on that word here and a, and a couple other words mentioned in second Timothy four, two preach the word, be instant. What, what does the word be instant mean? Um, it means, you know, we're, we, we say like right now, be instant. What, what, what it means there is that he should be constant in this duty, literally to stand by or to stand fast by. That is, he is to be pressing or urgent in the performance of this work. He is always to be at his post and was to embrace every opportunity of making known the gospel. What Paul seems to have contemplated was not merely that he should perform the duty at, at, at stated and regular times, but that he should press the matter at one, as one who had the subject much at heart and never lose an opportunity of making the gospel known. That's what uh, Albert Barnes in his commentary says about this. In other words, he's to stay faithful at it, and he's to look for opportunities to preach and to get the gospel out, not just at the you know, scheduled times, but to look for other opportunities. And then he goes on, Paul does, and says, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. In season, of course, means in good times. Um, <clears throat> the sense is when it could be conveniently done, when all things were favorable, when the temperature was right in the building and the microphones were working right and everybody's awake and eager to hear the word of God um, and wanting to say, ooh, I'm hanging on every word that you're saying. That's when he is to preach. Uh, when there are no obstructions or hindrances, and it may include the stated regular seasons for public worship, but is not confined to them. So in season, but then the next phrase is out of season. Um, and this is the only time that the Greek word that's translated out of season, um, akaros, is, that's the only time it's used in the, in, the, in the New Testament is right here. And it's the opposite of in season. It means that a minister is to seek opportunities to preach the gospel even at such periods as might be inconvenient to himself, or when there might be hindrances and embarrassments, or when there was no stated appointment for preaching. He's not to confine himself to the appointed times of worship or to preach only when it will be perfectly convenient for himself. So he is to preach when the temperature in the building is not what he wants or what is nice. Is nice. When there's only a couple people here, when we had COVID and it was just a couple people in cameras that I was preaching to, you got to preach the word in season, out of season. And uh, Lord willing, that'll never happen again. Um, but I'm not going to say never. Um, but he's to preach when it's convenient, when people are wanting him to preach and liking what he's saying, and then he needs to be faithful to preach when the opposite is true, when people don't like what he's saying. And that's what a real preacher and pastor needs to be willing to do. He's to preach the word of God in those times. And we can go on, and he tells us that um, in verse 2, to reprove, rebuke, exhort. By the way, all those uh, out of those three, um, two of them are a little bit on the negative side, and one is the positive. Exhorting is kind of more of the, the positive, but reproving and rebuking, it's being told that you need to correct some things. You need to change your ways. And uh, a lot of people like pastors to just encourage them. 
And that's not the complete job of a pastor. And if that's all he does, he's got a 33% on the test. And last time I checked, a 33% on a test is a big fat F. So a pastor is to also uh, take time to reprove and um, rebuke. And I have done that from time to time. Uh, it's not my favorite thing. I would much rather exhort and encourage. That's certainly my favorite part of it. But the other is necessary as well. All right. Fourthly here, he is to exhort and rebuke. This goes along with what I've just been saying, but there's a couple other instances in the scriptures that reference this. Titus 2.15. Titus 2.15 says, These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. So again, a pastor is supposed to exhort the people of God and rebuke them with all authority. Um. Then we go to 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 12. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 12. It says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So one of the things is they're supposed to admonish you. <clears throat> and that's not always, you know, a positive thing. It's to help uh, to spur you to growth. So that's one of the responsibilities of a pastor. Fifthly here, uh, let me try to zip through this. I'm, I'm running out of time. Number five, he is to watch over souls. He is to watch over souls. Well, hey, isn't that God's job? It is, but it's also the pastor's job. Now, he's to watch over a couple categories of souls. First of all, he's to watch over his own soul. All right, First uh, Timothy four and verse number sixteen says this. Uh, med- I'm sorry. Take heed unto thyself, and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So I'm, as in my role, one of my responsibilities is to make sure that I'm right with God. And obviously, I want you to keep me accountable in that. But one of my main responsibilities is to make sure that I'm watching for my soul and that I'm making sure that I'm right with the Lord. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 is another reference. Acts 20, 28. Um, Getting there. Acts 15. Should have had these written out. Acts 20, 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, Paul said, and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So he is to watch over his own soul. Robert Murray McShay wrote to Dan Edwards after um, Edwards was ordained to be a missionary. He wrote to him and said, in great measure, According to the purity and perfections of the instrument will be the success. It is not great talents God blesses so much as great likeness to Jesus. And then he said this famous line, a holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. Awful meaning a very powerful weapon in the hand of God. 
So when a pastor is taking care of his own soul and sharpening his axe and making sure that he is right with God, then he is much more effective uh, in the ministry. But when he stops caring about his own soul and says, well, you know what, I can do that tomorrow. I, I need to, there, there's people that I need to minister to. So again, this takes time. Um, this takes effort. And um, wise is the church that understands that and, and gives space for that and makes provision for that. Um, but when it's like, man, you need to be here and never get away, never take time to go to somewhere to get encouragement and strengthening. Um, I'm telling you, it, it, it's, it's a battle. It's a battle that's hard to even put into words. There's no way that anyone could understand who's not in it. Um, and, and, and it does take time and effort to sharpen uh, the ax. And so it's, it's helpful. And uh, I've had a couple opportunities this year to get away and be encouraged and sharpened in that way. And I appreciate those opportunities and it's been very effective, uh, very, very appreciative and very helpful in my life. So he's watched over souls, his own soul, but then he's also to watch over the souls of others. And Acts 20, 28, and I walked away from it. I shouldn't have done that. Acts 20, 28 says, there it is. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. And so we're to watch over the flock. We're to oversee them. We're to watch over their souls. And then the main verse on this one, and you might be thinking of it, is Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13 Verse number 17 says this, uh, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as that they may uh, give account, they must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Um, Proverbs 27, 13 is another reference. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. And I imagine that that, had a lot to do with uh, to care about your actual flocks of animals um, Solomon was referring to, but certainly we can apply that to, I can apply that as a pastor to the flock of God in which I'm responsible for. So I need to diligently know the state of thy flocks. And, and listen, I, I know that some people are a little more private and don't like Everybody kind of knowing what's going on inside in their in their life, and and pastor, you just you just preach, you just focus on preaching, you just kind of stay out of my life, and and I'm not trying to be the Holy Spirit, I'm not trying to interfere, I'm not trying to invade your privacy, but I have a responsibility to watch for your soul, and so that requires a little bit of you opening up and letting me know what's going on, and. And so it's not that I'm trying to be nosy and all up in your business. I'm trying to be faithful to the responsibilities that God's word details for me to watch for your souls and to, when I start to see you wandering away to say, Hey, come on back, come on back, come on back. And uh, I'm not trying to, I, I have, I would rather just kind of focus on what I'm supposed to be doing and that's it. But the problem is one of the things I'm supposed to be doing is 
looking to this to what's going on with you and and you know Jesus talked about the the parable of the the, the shepherd who leaves the ninety and nine to go find the one who's wandering off. Well, that's that's a great picture for me, uh, for me to to notice. I mean that that takes real intentionality to notice that one that's missing. Because I mean, in a hundred, it's kind of like, man, there's a lot, there's a lot of sheep here, and they all kind of look the same, and they're all ba ba making the same noises. And but but a shepherd who really loves his sheep notices the one who's missing, who's not there. And that's one of the things that a pastor ought to be doing is to know what's going on within the assembly and 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 the church family and and noticing when something is not quite hunky-dory and and to go after that person and and see if there's anything that's going on there that needs attention so he is to watch over souls and that's a that's quite a task it's quite a task and uh especially you know i know church families are like get excited when there's church growth <laughs> and i i am excited too but i'm like my responsibility just got greater when we have a new family join. Um, and I'm thankful for the f- new families that join. And the, I want more to join. But I also understand that that creates more responsibility on my plate. And I'm thankful for it. I realize that God's going to give me the strength and the wisdom and the ability to handle it. But it is um, an added responsibility. Uh, Let me uh, cover this last one here, and then I think we'll be done for the day, and we'll have to finish this up next time. Um, Actually, there's two more quick thoughts here. Uh, Number number six, or letter F here, he is to feed and lead his flock. He is to feed and lead his flock. Um, If your Bible is, (laughs) I'm not sure where your Bible is open to, but mine is in Hebrews. I'm going to go to 1 Peter 5 and verse number 2. 1 Peter 5 and verse 2, this is, <clears throat> this is an important one here. Um, 1 Peter 5 verse 1, the Bible says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. And the first responsibility that he gives to these elders is to feed the flock of God, which is among you. To feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. So we're to be um, taking oversight and to lead a flock and to feed them, feed and then lead. Um, So again, that's what I spend the bulk of my time doing is preparing spiritual meals for you. And you, you say, well, man, the one last Sunday didn't taste very good. You know, I want to send it back to the kitchen. Like, can we, you know, my, my, it was a little bit overdone. Uh, It was a little bit underdone. It was a little bit, it didn't taste right. Well, you know, um, I, I want to try to do what I can to be faithful to my boss. And my boss is the Lord and he tells me what to, what to cook and prepare for you. All right, so I hope you enjoy it, but ultimately, 
It doesn't really matter if you enjoy it or not, as long as he's happy with what I do. Now, I want to try to do it in a way that is, and and, and you, you've been here enough to know, I try to do it in a way that is enjoyable and helpful and encouraging, but ultimately, um, I don't get to choose the content. God chooses the content because I'm to preach not what you want to hear, not what I want to preach, but what the word, the word of God says, preach the word. So he's the one who tells me what to prepare. So you take it up with him. Um, so again, I, I want to try to have a good spirit in that, um, but ultimately that's what it comes down to. Um, so First uh, Peter 5, 2, feed the flock of God. And then uh, Acts 20 and 28 is another reference that says that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And we've already looked at this a few times. Acts 20 and 28 says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and do all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So I'm to feed you. I'm to feed you. I'm to give you spiritual nourishment. And, you know, I don't know about you, but when I was younger, you know, if it were up to me, I would have had ice cream for dinner every day. But my mom did not prepare ice cream for dinner every day. In fact, she never gave me ice cream for dinner. Um, so I had a rough childhood. Okay. You're like, no wonder he's been. No, obviously, right? My mom made us eat vegetables. My mom made us eat meat and potatoes. And, and uh, we had to eat the healthy things. Okay, when you come to church, if all you want is sugar, 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 um, and that's all you get, then that's not going to make you spiritually healthy. You need to get some spiritual vegetables, some spiritual steak. And he, he talks about that. You know, all you can handle is the milk of the word. Uh, you need to get to the point where you can handle the meat of the word. You, because that's what's going to help give us spiritual strength and, and vitality and, and health and, and ability to, to stand for truth. Um, so we need the broccoli, spiritual broccoli. You're like, this message doesn't really apply too much to me. It applies more to you, Pastor. That's true. But I think it's very healthy for you to be aware of the biblical responsibilities of a pastor to keep me accountable to make sure that you, again, if, if the Lord ever moves you ever away, that you find a church where a pastor is fulfilling these biblical responsibilities. There's nothing wrong with you knowing these things. It's very healthy. And uh, no, it's not, you know, there, there are some things that are fun to preach. Um, this maybe isn't the most fun thing to preach, but it's in the Bible and it, it, it's the whole counsel of God and it needs to be taught and preached. So he's to feed and lead his flock. Another thing I wanted to mention on this, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to wrap this up here pretty quick, but it, someone said this, in order for a pastor to fulfill the Lord's command to feed the flock of God, guess what needs to happen? In order for the pastor to fulfill the Lord's command to feed God's flock, here's what's required in that. Not only is the pastor supposed to prepare a meal, but the sheep must show up during feeding times. The sheep must show up during feeding times. And we have four feeding times every week. Sunday school, 
Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Those are the feeding times. And if I'm going to be if I'm going to be obedient to fulfill the commands to feed God's flock, the sheep need to be here. Um, you say, well, yeah, I know what you're going to be preaching next Sunday, and I don't really want to eat that. Eat it anyway. You need it. And how 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 rude would it be? I mean, for you to go home and get in your kitchen and make this beautiful, you know, from scratch lasagna and like the noodles are from scratch and you go to all this trouble and then you invite me over and I, at the last second, call and say, well, actually, I decided not to come today because I'm super tired. You, you wouldn't, I mean, you would be like, okay, that's fine. I understand. But, but you'd be disappointed because you were looking forward to sharing that meal with me and letting me enjoy it and, and, Okay, well, can you now place your put 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 your feet in my my dress shoes? You know, someone who takes the time to uh, sacrifice even a little bit of time from once in a while to prepare uh, a spiritual meal, and you say, "Well, it's been a long week, and I'm really tired, so I'm just going to go ahead and sleep in on Sunday." In order for a pastor to fulfill the Lord's command to feed God's flock. The sheep must show up during feeding times. So I would encourage you to be faithful to the feeding times. Say, well, this this message didn't taste that great. Not all of them are. Um, A lot of my mom's meals didn't taste the best. There were some that were really good. But you know what? It all helped me grow. It all helped me develop. And I'm thankful for each meal. I don't remember many of them, but I'm thankful for them because... I grew up and became a man. And same thing can be said spiritually. You may not remember every message that I preach, but it could be just that week that, you know, that, that God gave you something for that week and then you, you can move on and, and you might forget about it a little bit. Uh, that's okay. He is to feed and lead the flock. That's his responsibility. The last one, and then we will wrap it up for tonight and we'll finish it, finish this message uh, in a couple of weeks. All right. Letter G, he is to be an example to all. He's to be an example to all. 1 Peter 5.3. 1 Peter 5.3 says, uh, Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. That's a key thing here. A pastor is not to lord over God's heritage, but be in a sample, an example to the flock. And, And it's... It's a struggle um, to take oversight of the flock without being a lord over the flock. There's a tension there. It's a little bit of a fine line, and 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 I I, I think it's a it's it's a challenge for many pastors. When we were at Sharpening Week, I, this this particular question came up from a younger pastor, and and he was like, "So how do you?" And I, I, I talked to him afterwards and I said, it's, it's a tough balance because we are called to take oversight. We are taught, called to have all authority. That's what um, I think uh, it was mentioned in Titus. But we're also not to be the lords over God's heritage. So there is a tough balance and it's a struggle. Uh, but ultimately, just know that we are to be an example. And are we perfect examples? No, but 
I do strive to be an example to the flock. And uh, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And that's really what we're talking about here is, hey, I'm trying to follow Christ. And uh, here's what we're doing. Um, you don't have to do it the same way we do it, but here's what we're doing. And we want to be an example. And to give you kind of a living example of what the Bible teaches here. That's what we're trying to do. And uh, we're going to fail if you look close enough, but that's the, that's the attempt. And then first Peter, I'm sorry, first Timothy four twelve is one more reference. And this is what Paul told Timothy, he, even though he was young, he said, be thou an example of the believers in word, conversation, purity, truth, um, all the different uh, six different areas of life that he is to be an example in, and that's what a pastor ought to be. So it's a pretty pretty intense job description, wouldn't you say? <laughs> um, it, it's not overwhelming because here's, here's, here's the truth. With God's ca calling comes God's enabling, and God has enabled me. This was very daunting to me before I stepped into this role. But as I have, God has sustained me and lifted me up and strengthened me for the work. And you say, well, yeah, well, you're not great at this. I know there's areas of weakness in my life. I know that I'm not the perfect pastor. I get that. Um, but these are some areas in which you can pray for me about. Um, you can pray that I would have time to study the word. You can pray that I would have time and the focus... Um, and the discipline to be a man of prayer. You could pray that uh, as I preach the word, that I would preach with boldness and courage, that I would preach in season, out of season, and I would just be instant in it. Um, you, can, you can pray that I would exhort and rebuke. You can pray that I would watch over my own soul and that my own, my own life would be right with God and that I would have the discernment to watch over others as well. And that as I feed and lead the flock of God, that I would do so uh, with the right spirit and to be an example um, and uh, to pray for our family. So next time we're going to talk about the biblical relationship with your pastor. What, what, are, what, are, what are some things that God wants you to have? Uh, what are responsibilities that you have in relation to your pastor? And so we'll talk about that next time, but uh, let's go ahead and, uh, pray, and then we'll look at some prayer requests here. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be together tonight and to talk about this biblical role. And, and Lord, it's, it's a little awkward talking about these things because I'm talking about the role that <clears throat> I fulfill. And, um, and Lord, I pray that still it would be helpful encouragement. And, and if nothing else, Lord, uh, <clears throat> a good prayer, um, prayer reminder for the people here tonight and, and uh, to help them to know how to pray more more specifically and intelligently for uh, me and my family. Um, but Lord, I, these are all necessary things to talk about from time to time. And, and uh, Lord, I, I do thank you for this role. Thank you for allowing me to f be in this role. <clears throat> and I pray that you'd help me to be faithful and help me to fulfill it well uh, for your glory and honor. And uh, we pray, Lord, you'd bless the time now in, in these prayer requests in Jesus name. Amen.